Our second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. God's grace, mercy, and peace be with all of us today as we understand how we are living in the in-between, between right here and eternity. It wasn't long ago that uh, I visited one of the older disciples of, of our congregation. Uh, she had, a, had uh, been married and had a family in her homestead, and her house was just absolutely perfect, as I remember. She had a garden. Uh, her house was well-decorated. Everything was right in place. But then after her husband died, her health started to fade and her family realized that she could no longer care for herself in her home. And so she was moved into a care facility. I visited her the day after she moved and I'll never forget what she said to me. She looked at me and said, Pastor, this isn't my home. I feel like a stranger. I don't even know where I am. There's a lot of truth in that statement, but it's not just for that lady. It's for all of us. This is the same sentiment also that is offered by the Apostle Peter in his first letter that we're going through here in these Sundays after, uh, after uh, Easter, where Peter writes, live your lives as strangers in reverent fear. In, order, in other words, just as my elderly friend, the fact is this isn't our real home. We are strangers living here on this earth. And it's amazing how that statement relates to us today as we hunker down, as many are living in fear. And by the way, it's not reverent fear or respect of God that Peter refers to. It's anxiety. It's stress. I learned a new acronym this week that I want to share with you. It's V-U-C-A. It's called VUCA. And it stands for times that are violet, uncertain, complex, and anxious. These are certainly VUCA times. And we see the fear, the uncertainty, the complexity, the anxiety of our times. And I have to tell you, it's getting old, isn't it? Those staying at home are stressed. 
Uh, parents who are trying to work from home while at the same time educating their children are stressed. Kids are stressed. Business owners who've had to close their businesses are stressed. Those that are trying to stay open are stressed. Healthcare providers are stressed. Senior citizens are stressed. Many who have lost savings and cannot hold their grandkids or see their friends. In our scripture lesson for today, Peter is writing to people who were experiencing very similar times. Their very lives were being threatened by physical, economic, and emotional persecution in the first century. They were living in times that were VUCA also, violent, uncertain, complex, and anxious. With this kind of fear and uncertainty, we can understand how Peter led by the Holy Spirit, could describe the time that we live here as temporary. We are merely strangers. We're just passing through. Our lives are like a blink of the eye compared to eternity. Indeed, God has placed us here for a purpose. But what are we are learning that we can't hold too tightly to the things of this world. This really hit home to us. A couple weeks ago, we had a very violent thunderstorm and you probably remember it if you live around here there was hail there was strong wind a lot of houses and trees went went down and so forth our power went out and that's very unusual because our uh, utilities are buried underground and yet this time the power went out in the evening about 8 30 or so and we weren't ready for something like that uh, and it stayed out the power the next day uh, we thought the power would come on but it didn't I had learned that, uh, that uh, when you have a lot of food, like we had, uh, we had probably enough food in our freezer chest and two refrigerators to feed half the people on the block for a month. And so we were starting to wonder, well, what are we going to do? Uh, don't open the door. Remember, uh, I read that it lasted for 24 hours. And it was about that time that our neighbors showed us a text from the power company telling us, that the power may not come on for at least two days. What were we going to do with all that food? Well, I came over here to church and sure enough, there was plenty of power here. And because of our vacated facilities, there was plenty of space in the refrigerator and the freezer too. So four trips later, every box that we had in the house, we hauled all of our food over here to church. After that fourth trip, we were driving home at 10 p.m. and we were just pulling into the neighborhood when I noticed, hey, the lights are all on. <laughs> God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? And he teaches us through things like that, experiences like that, that we can't hold too tightly onto the things of this world because it's all temporary. We are just strangers. We're just passing through. And when everything is so uncertain and up in the air, there's only one place to turn. Don't you love the words of Psalm 121? I, I've, I remember, I, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. As our helper, God helps us to understand that while we are strangers temporarily living here on this earth, God has something a lot better for us in store. Peter makes that clear for us when he tells us that God has a different plan, that we can look at the future differently, that we are redeemed for the eternal. He says in verse 18, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life 
but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Here Peter uses the word redeemed. The word redeemed uh, really is referring to a payment that was often made to free a slave. And hard currency was usually offered, either silver or gold, to make that happen. But how did God pay the price to win us back to himself? It wasn't with gold or silver or anything else of this world. He redeemed us. He paid the price for our freedom from our sins with the precious blood of Christ, says a lamb without blemish or defect. It's always been interesting in my ministry that whenever I talk about the blood sacrifice that was needed to pay the for our sins, people come to me sometimes and say, Pastor, why do you always talk about blood? Ooh, that's too gross. And yet remember back in the Old Testament, it was the blood of the sacrificial lamb smeared on the doorpost that delivered the, the children of Israel from the bondage of, of Egypt. In the same way, it was the blood of the perfect, sinless lamb of God shed on the cross of Calvary that takes away our sins. It was the blood of Christ that paid the price so that we are no longer slaves in bondage to our sin, but we're forgiven, we're redeemed. Martin Luther writes about this when he says, just one drop of this innocent blood would have been enough to pay for the sins of the whole world. Yet the Father wanted to pour out his grace on us so abundantly and to spend so much that he let his son Christ shed all his blood and gave us the entire treasure of his love. That's why the Apostle John could write in his first letter, he could say the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And then to complete the victory over sin, Peter rejoices, saying that God raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that now your faith and your hope are in God. And so you know that you have a Savior who loves you and forgives you as a result of his eternal sacrifice for you. And it changes our outlook. Yeah, times can be filled with VUCA, times that are, that are uncertain and, and so anxious and yet we know that our real and lasting future is glorious with Jesus so that yes even though we're merely strangers passing through this world God has a future and a hope for us that's why we were reminded last week earlier in the chapter with Pastor Max that as a result of the resurrection we have a living hope we have an inheritance that can never spoil not like milk or anything else it's a gift, the Bible says, that is kept for you and me as a believer in Christ, in heaven for us. And that is why Paul could write in Philippians chapter 3 that our real citizenship is not here, but it's in heaven. But what about the in-between? What, what happens now? Well, Peter has some advice for us. It's kind of the so what of this text. We see that as we live as strangers here on this earth, God calls us to two things that we are to do in response to his wonderful love for us that redeemed us from our sins. First of all, he calls us to trust him, trust in God. Verse 21 again says, through him, that's Jesus, you believe in God who raised Jesus from the dead and glorified him so that now your faith, your hope are in God. Where's your faith? Where's your hope? 
Since Jesus paid the price for us to belong to him and has freed us from our sins by his death and his resurrection, our faith, our hope are in the Lord. That's one of the major themes of 1 Peter, that in the midst of all the VUCA, the uncertainty, the anxiety, as God's people, we put our faith and our hope in him. Our trust in the end doesn't come from temporal fixes. Uh, Perhaps you've heard people say like me, well, once we get a vaccine for this coronavirus, then everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be back to normal. Really? You and I both know that while we live on this side of heaven, the effect of sin in our world, in our nation, in our community, in our families, and even within us, will always be an issue until the Lord comes again. There will always be VUCA. There will always be times that are violent, uncertain, complex, and anxious. And that's why God has a better way for us to live. We live by faith. We hold on to His promises. The hope that we have is not a a wishy-washy kind of hope. It's a certainty that is not based on the reopening of businesses, or it's not based on life getting back to normal, but our hope and our faith is based on the sure promises of God, to know that we have been purchased and won for God through Jesus, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious, and innocent blood and his glorious resurrection from the dead. So that's the first thing, trust him. The second thing that we see here in our text that we are called to respond is to love others as our greatest desire. Verses 22 and 23, listen to this. Now that you have purified yourselves, have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again through the living and enduring word of God. Here the Lord reminds us that our trust in Jesus Christ and his redemption in making us whole and making us part of God's family always demonstrates itself in his main character and that is love the living and enduring word of God moves us it moves us to love God and it moves us then to love others in our cross-shaped theology and that's not just God's wish for us that's his command for us but rather than our love for God and for others being a have to What if that love would be a want to? You see, as we understand God's love for us, it becomes our desire to love others. Peter says it this way. He says, you know, he says that we are to have sincere love for one another. That's a love from our hearts. And it's a desire that we want to have. And you know that desires are really a gift from God. Psalm 40 says, may he, the Lord, give you the desires of your heart. Desire is a powerful motivator. When you want or desire to do something as opposed to having to do something, it's a different motivation. You know, growing up, uh, we we loved to play baseball. It was a desire. I, I would play every day if I could. And I think a lot of that stemmed back to 1964 when our entire sixth grade class at Trinity Lutheran School in Edwardsville, Illinois, sat on the floor of the gym watching a little black and white TV of the World Series. 
between the St. Louis Cardinals and those dreaded New York Yankees. And the Cardinals won. And from that time, I wanted to play baseball too. It was a motivation. You see, when you know how much God has loved you and how he's purchased and won, won you not with gold or silver, but with his shed blood on the cross and his resurrection, when you know the love of God, it changes you and it changes your desires. Our desires are oriented around the Lord. That's why David could write in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Have you noticed that some of your desires have changed since all this has happened? What we may have taken for granted a few weeks ago we realize is something that is special, that we miss and that we desire. Like our worship together, face to face. Don't you miss singing and praying with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Don't you miss being able to come to the altar to receive the very presence and power of Jesus in the sacrament? Don't you miss your relationships, being with family and friends? I can tell you not being able to hold our new grandson has been so painful, especially for my wife. So that even in these crazy times, we ask God to help us to trust him and then to love sincerely as he has loved us. As part of that great chapter of, of love in 1 Corinthians 13, many of you had it maybe in your wedding ceremonies. Remember, faith, hope, and, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. But then the next verse says, follow the way of love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Together we pray that God would help us to trust him. And as we do, that we would follow the way of love, that we would earnestly desire caring for others as he has cared for us. Maybe since we've got more time on our hands, we can pick up the phone. We can write a letter or a card. We can send an email to someone that we haven't spoken to for a while. We can encourage them. We can pray for them. We can let them know that, that we care about them. And in your home, I don't know about you, have you noticed that if the people in your house are not sincerely on your heart, that they're probably on your nerves. <laughs> Ask God to give you the desire to especially love those in your household right now. And sure enough, as you go through your list of projects maybe that you've got, uh, you make it fun. We enjoy one another. We may never have another time like this again. So we try to find ways to enjoy each other and to care for one another well, today I think we learned something that we already knew. We are merely strangers here in this earth. Everything around us is temporary. And yet God is eternal. And one day, because he paid the price for our sins and won us back to himself, we also will be with him in eternity. In the meantime, here we are. We are living in the in-between. Yet because of what God has done for us, we trust him. And we know that he's in control and that God's going to work everything out for our good. And we also ask the Lord to make us more like him, that we might love sincerely from our hearts as he has first loved us. May the Lord bless you and keep you in his eternal care. Amen.